Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. It's me, Chris Denson, your gracious host, coming at you live from WeWork Studios. Uh, if you guys want to get down like me, go to we.co slash crush um, for some amazing things, or just follow me at Densonology, and um, uh, I'll, I'll bless you with some, some cool stuff. But if you are tuning in for the first time ever, this show covers all things innovation, ideas, creativity, smart people doing smart stuff. Even when they just arrived back from Mexico, short of breath this morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, say hello. Drake Sutton Shearer. Hey, hey. Nice to meet you all out there in the universe. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of syllables in your name. It is. Uh, I'm a Kiwi, and uh, there was a thing back then, and, and it sucked. And so that, was, that, was a, that was a baby name? There were no Jennifers? That, that's kind of uh, like, that was, I came up in the Jennifer era. Oh, you just did? Like, no, this everybody was, was Jennifer. This was a... Uh, 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 mother and father surname put together. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That's good, good shared real estate. Your parents must be uh, yeah. nice people. We like to share some real estate. <laughs> they raised a great guy. You think so? I hope so. <laughs> uh, what was, before we get into yeah. your stuff, what was your key life lesson you learned from your parents? Hmm. Belief. Ah. Yeah, we grew up on a, on a farm in the middle of nowhere, and uh, we had three TV channels, and um, we watched a lot of American um uh entertainment and a lot of english entertainment faulty towels and all that good stuff. yeah um but uh everyone around me was very confined by um you can only do this right kind of thing what's in front of you when you have career day and you're nine years old and they say what do you want to be and you choose from a police officer not that's a bad thing or a fireman or a farmer or whatever uh when you say i don't want to be any of those things they look at you strange <gasps> <You're Yeah>. like, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> gas from the exactly. from the community so i think i think from my, my parents it was just you know do whatever you want be whatever you want no roles make them yourself and uh so because you you told me something that echoes that loudly mm -hmm. which is the fact that you've never had a job per se you've been an entrepreneur your, yep. your entire life um, I, I took a break for a year and a half and worked for a friend of mine uh, to help him do some stuff but uh oh no not a year and a half of work <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh let's back up a little bit uh let's j just give me the 101 mm -hmm. on uh, who drake is and a little bit about prohibited and sure. and, and we'll, we'll go from there uh i grew up in new zealand uh i've been on my own since i was 15 uh building businesses was in entertainment for uh many years in the music business uh that's where i got my start um i've been lucky to have a, a few different mentors along the way in different industries so i've been in the music business i've been in the technology, social app business, I've been in the music publishing business, talent management business, and uh, I kind of came full circle five years ago when I, um, you know, I'd had a few exits, a couple of losses. Um, I was a college, well, a high school dropout, but I'd, I'd uh, incubated a business at Wharton uh, Business School up in San Francisco. So I've kind of been in and around academia, yeah. um, not, you know, by, more by choice. Um, and um, you know, cannabis was happening in, in the market, and and I saw a, a a reason to be involved because I could do good and profit, um, and I understood it. So I wanted to bring my set of capabilities uh, and and build a new business. Uh, do you need to be a practitioner in order to be an expert? Hmm. Loaded question. Good question. <laughs> well, you you hinted yeah. to it. So yeah. there are a lot of people running cannabis companies who have no idea what the consumer may be interested in given the products that they're building and selling. Right. So I think unless, even if they're hiring great people that are skilled that understand those nuances, 
they still need a basic understanding. That doesn't mean you have to sit around and smoke weed all day. It just means to understand where the culture is coming from. Yeah. Because that's how you understand what consumers are interested in today. Ten years from now, that's not the case because it'll be an incredibly mainstream product. It'll be across everything from food and beverage and right. you know uh, pharmaceuticals. I think there's also, there's a couple of things there. One is just the perception, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the public perception, and we talked about this before, where you've experienced that on the business side, oh, yeah. and like people are like, oh no, we're not touching that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you mentioned like the medicinal things, or you know, there's a place where uh, my wife is going to get a facial, and they just sent an email like. Try our CBD face. You're sure. like, oh, well, maybe I will. Maybe it's actually CBD. <laughs> maybe it's not. <laughs> right, right. So, <laughs> you know, so there's this whole, like, I guess, varying levels of perception. Sure. Um, how do you, how's that come up in your work, in your day to day? I mean, when we were first started raising money five years ago, um, we did about 180, 189 pitches to raise the first $2 million. It was uh, pretty, pretty rough. Um, 189. Yeah. I counted them because I cared, uh, you know, every, <laughs> every uh, you know, every pitch was very passionate. We, sure. we felt we had a great thesis. Uh, and we wanted to prove it. Uh, every single person wanted to know everything, right? Yeah. It was just, it was the most curious focused pitch, uh, 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 cycle of my life. And even when it came down to funding or signing deal docs, people would say, you know, my wife or my lawyer or my job, it was all about reputation risk. Sure. And this is four and a half, five years ago. Uh, now, you know, everyone's calling saying, how do I get involved? Uh, what do you want? Whatever you need. I'm in, I'm in. Right. So it's incredible to see a paradigm shift uh, of not only acceptance from a business perspective, uh, but just socially, because these are people that are retail investors, you know, sure. they're the small checks, you know, and institutionals. They're all, they've all got social lives, you know, so now they're talking to their doctor about CBD right? or are you familiar with THC? Uh, they're out at dinner parties or whatever, and people are smoking or eating edibles or whatever it might be. And it's more socially acceptable. So the conversation is very different. How do you survive 180? Because it's, it's, it sounds like a lot, which it is a lot. But, it is, yeah. Um, but there's also, like like you said, the enthusiasm of the 185th time has to match the first time, yeah. right? And yeah. um, there's, a, I, I believe, personally, speaking of belief, like that there's, a, you know, what, your self-talk yeah. before you go into, like all the mechanics might be there. But if in the back of your head, you're like, they're going to say no. Yeah. They're just going to ask a bunch of questions and then they won't call us. Like I mean, I, I started thinking differently where it was like, well, I dare them to say yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> nice. and, and so I'd go in there with that kind of, uh, uh, you know, mind mechanic. But um, we really had a belief in what we were doing. And for me, it felt kind of universal, like all things had come to this point in my life where, okay, everything I'm now pitching is everything I've done. It's all my experience. The timing is here and somebody's going to get it and then it'll start to flow. Uh, and it did, you know, and yeah. since then we've raised, you know, 12 million bucks and another 10 on the way. But, you know, it's, um, which is still not a lot of money, but it's, it's relatively a lot of money for cannabis. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's amazing. So what, uh, I'm going to stick with this 189 thing for a second. <laughs> what was different from the beginning, from the inception of the idea? As you started getting, and obviously the climate changed a little mm-hmm. bit, but what became different about how you told the story over time? Great question. You know, uh, telling the story of, well, there's two things. Investors want returns, right? 
they love passion projects, but if there's no return, they can just throw their money away somewhere else. Um, that's maybe dearer to their heart. I, I think that um, there were two stories we were telling. One was an investable opportunity uh, that we weren't 100% sure on what that outcome would be, but come along for the ride and find out. It's either going to be a, a massive win or a zero. Uh, <laughs> no, nothing in between. Right? Exactly. You know? um, no second place. Right, no second place. Here. And because, you know, it was first to market and, and, and you know, we were, we were leading in what we were looking to achieve. Um, and uh, the second thing was uh, focusing on social stigmas. Um, we wanted to change the perception of like the stoner uh, mentality. And although a lot of people still embrace that, and I, I don't hate on that at all because it's part of culture, um, we aren't talking about alcoholics with, who are drinking alcohol right. these days in the same way, right? Like this, so um, alcoholism is not associated with fandom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, it's not celebrated, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yet stoner culture is still somewhat celebrated in different, different parts, so, um, which is interesting in itself. Um, yeah, but I think that a lot of people we were talking to were first entertainment people. Um, then, I, you know, when I met with Donald Glover, uh, who I'm a huge fan of, and he's uh, super creative, obviously. You know, Donald totally got it. Um, he was very focused on on us making videos about how to, how to roll a joint, right? Right, know, right, right. You know, so it's, like, right. it's like, people want simple shit. Let's give them something simple. We're like, you know, we want to do that, but we want to do more. So, uh, Isn't it, well, that's an interesting perspective from him. Yeah. Which, which, I think he's a complex mind, right? Yeah, yeah he is. Uh, Creatively, he, right? But yeah, to say, yeah, let's get down to the basics. Right. And I think most, like, I'm, I'm the guy that, like, goes immediately to the wow factor or, like, you yeah. know, try to, you know, create that awe-inspired moment. But sometimes yeah. it is the brass tacks. That he was just, really dude. focused on the humanistic side of it. Like, you know, we were talking about, okay, sure, vision to achieve and everything else, path to get there. and then. You know, we were like, okay, so what, what should we create? You know, because we started as a, as a website, as a, right. as a publisher. Um, you know, and he was just like, you know, people want to learn how to do things the right way. So, yeah, which, because, you know, there's millions of videos on YouTube. Um, I bet. <laughs> you know, but it's like individuals' perspectives versus an authority perspective. Yeah. Um, so fast forward to today, um, mm-hmm. kind of just walk us through the growth because you, you know there's so you started off on the content side, but now yeah. it's grown into multiple facets. Yeah, you know we're smart enough to know that we don't know everything, and so we we entered the industry and said, okay, our point of view is content uh, messaging and design, which didn't really exist at the time. Yeah. Um, let's let's build a product. CMD. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. There you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> Funny. Um, you know, and so we did that and uh people came to us and said, "Hey, would you make video for us?" And part of the business model was was branded content because it was uh, um definitely a trend at the time, 5 years ago. Um and so we started uh producing uh a lot of video content and we became you know, the leader in doing that in the space. Then those companies came to us and said, "Hey, we like what you're doing there. Can you also design our brand can you help us develop a product can you right. help us do packaging and we said okay great now let's spin up an agency in-house hmm. um and do that so then we did uh about 120 something projects where we uh helped companies design their brands and packaging and product development from uh you know weed you know bud to oil to edibles to all kinds of different uh products and so we learned a lot and then um we had a content studio uh, doing a lot of branded content. And then we kind of looked at that whole thing and said, well, you know, 
what's happening in cannabis is the first wave was cultivation. The second wave was retail and distribution. The third wave is brand. Right. So we were very uniquely positioned last year with this kind of ecosystem of enterprise capabilities that were proven and a great team to say, well, let's invert the capabilities and build for ourselves. And so now we're, uh, you know, we've, we've turned this company prohibited into a uh, consumer product brands company and a content company. Uh, how many employees are you, are you at so far? Uh, you know, my CEO. Like it's just me. This. It's, it's, like, <laughs> no, it's just me. I'm a very busy guy. Uh, you know, we have, we have just north of 50 across, uh, across the U.S. and Canada. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very North American focus. I was right. just down in Mexico City for a few days. There's a lot going down on down there, too. So we're looking at that. Yeah, now that El Chapo's done. It's just, it's free, free market. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you were talking about sort of the shifts and the pivots and mm-hmm. adapting new skill sets, you know, I think any business goes through mm-hmm. those options, right? Like, um, what, what, how did you know what was on mission for you? And like, what was yeah. like the critical mass where you're like, okay, one branding assignment is, is one thing, sure. but then 25, you're like, all right, maybe we should make this a practice. Yeah. Well, you know, businesses are always searching for a scalable business model, right? Uh, that they can invest in or others can too. And I think that, um, when we opened the agency, we didn't know if it was going to be a cost center or a profit center. We just knew we'd learn a lot. Mm. Uh, and what better way to learn than someone else paying us to do it. Yeah. So we did, we did a lot of great work. Um, we also learned that the entrepreneurs in the cannabis space were in need of, uh, a lot of different skill sets that they didn't have. There was also real unrealistic expectations from a lot of people. Um, you know, so I think that it's become more sophisticated now. Yeah. I'm starting to see hires from the CPG or the alcohol bev space coming into the, into the industry. And, uh, those people, uh, are becoming easier to deal with, right? Because they know how to build product and yeah. brand, branded businesses. Do you, do you find that, uh, I'll tell you a little anecdote, but yeah. do you find that this ecosystem of entrepreneur is different? Hmm. <laughs> you know, socially, yeah. psychologically, cause I, if so <laughs> I, I was in Toronto, and I got invited to go on a cannabis cruise with a bunch of like founders, investors, and VCs. Yeah. It was the most unorganized. I mean, shout out to those folks because I love them to death. <laughs> but it was highly uh, no no pun intended yeah. or unorganized, right? Yeah. And you're like, it's like some of this is just indicative of the social activity. It is, it. you know, it's funny, man. It's, um, shit, I won't put my foot in my mouth. You know, <laughs> I, uh, Don't worry, we won't edit it out. Just say whatever you got. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, we're in, we're in this business to succeed for our investors and our shareholders. And we're in this business because we have a personal affinity and a mission sure. for it, right? Um, it's, it's almost like it's the, not since the, the, the tech revolution or the industrial revolution has there been an opportunity so big um, to create generational wealth and also help people. Right. It's usually, you know, generational wealth. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But, right. But now you're actually helping people. Um, live better lives through a multitude of products and infused opportunities. Um, you know, so I think that, um, the entrepreneurs in the space, they're very, very attracted to, uh, the cash. Yeah. No question. Of course. Um, five years ago, everybody that I met were just focused entirely on advocacy, right? It was just love and peace and hugs all around at the conferences. And now, you know, it's a hyper competitive, um, People are choosing sides, you know, companies are getting bigger. They're aggregating through, um, acquisitions and additional sure. capital. 
And so we're starting to see leverage points in the market. And with that comes a mindset and you need great talent to come and help you continue to defend and build. Right. And so I think that we're starting to see an era of, of more sophisticated business, but there's definitely some outlaws out there and, and we salute them. Well, I th- yeah, and I think, but you find that in, like, uh, you know, I, I spent some time at a company called Machinima. And yeah, sure. So, yeah. So, and you know, when you're working with YouTube talent, <laughs> right. And you like, you're running a business and they are having fun. And I don't want to, you know, understate their work, sure. but you know, the business savvy that comes with, you're doing a deal with now with Warner brothers or mm-hmm. PlayStation and very different. Right. And, and so you become this intermediary mm-hmm. and a couple that with, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Jamin Shively in your world, who's a guest on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like a number five guy at Microsoft who left to start a cannabis company. Um, and he said the best way to lead a parade is to find one and get in front of it because your business savvy, I would imagine is going to serve a bunch of people who may not like, who are passionate about the industry and right. have a product or an idea or a service or something. And then you go like, I can help you do like how much of that comes into your world. Well, it's kind of ours. It's kind of ours to fuck up. Right? right. So, so it's like we, um, you know, it's an irreversible trend, right? There's 31 yeah. countries in the world that have a medical cannabis program, um, some with adult recreational programs. And you just kind of, kind of got to get out of the way, massage it and direct it versus, having to create it from scratch. Um, I believe it's a trillion dollar plus yeah. uh, market uh, globally uh, over the next coming years. Um, and to think like that, I mean, I think coffee is a $30 billion market in the U.S. alone. So, I mean, this is bigger than coffee already. That's we crazy. drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this the end game for you i mean you, you say numbers like that right and uh, yeah. and you we talk about your history from mm-hmm. the music industry to yeah. other tech businesses to now here is in maybe i don't know let's pretend your investors aren't aren't uh listening yeah no i mean i i'm an entrepreneur, entrepreneur so I, I i think that i've found the industry that i want to uh stay with i just love it i mean the people are great the products the the opportunity the 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 risk yeah, I, I like risk. Uh, I always find more pleasure uh, in a little pain up front. Uh, so yeah. you know, it's um, and it's just an incredible opportunity to help. Hence people. the all black, by the way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> a little, little pain first. A little pain first. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, but it's uh, you know, it's uh, um, it's just getting started. You know, I feel like I myself and the people in my company are very fortunate because we're helping to lead some others. And so where we are, I, I believe that some folks in, in Prohibited five years from now will have their own companies uh, yeah. that are leading in the space too. So uh, it's, it's, it's hard to pioneer. You got arrows in the front and arrows in the back. Yeah. You got to get up and keep going. Well, I, I guess along those lines, speaking of, you know, sort of being a leader mm-hmm. in, in multiple definitions of the word, um, what do you feel like your let's say you mentioned high school dropout you know not really have ever had a job except for that one yeah. you know for 500 days <laughs> um how how's that helped and hurt you you know um i when you're in your early 20s and you think you know everything i think i especially these days i mean my god it's amazing how many people in their 20s know everything um <laughs> not not to hate on that but i'm just saying and I think it's, um, if, I, if I had to do it all over again, I would find somebody who was incredibly successful 
and not just in business, but in life, um, who I respected. And I would do everything that I could to get in front of that person for them to be my mentor. And I think by doing that, you'll save yourself five to 10 years of learning how to go in and around under and over doors, mm. uh, you know, and other things. And I think that the hard lessons are there to be learned and you had to learn them. I had to do it, but, um, it would have been great to have somebody, you know, kind of say, Hey, by the way, do it this way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, I, but that's just because I like, you know, I like to move fast. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that I think having, having a mentor early on, uh, definitely helps, helps you to kind of see things differently. Kind of being rooted in the talent management and mm -hmm. the music side of it all. Yeah. Um, what sort of skill sets do you bring from that practice to, to your current one? Uh, dealing with personalities, yeah. big and small and, and otherwise, uh, listening to people, um, and kind of directing traffic, uh, <laughs> dive into that for a second. You know, in the music business, like the, it's entertainment at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's like I said to a friend one day, we we're at an arena show in Japan and I said, you know, isn't this incredible what we've produced? And they looked at me and they just said something very profound at the time, which was, you know, the people who all brought tickets here have no understanding of the work that it took for them to even have the opportunity mm. to buy that ticket. That's deep. You know, and yeah. it's like, and so you think about it, like, you know, the, the, recording the music, the production, the tours, the just it, all of the components modular or otherwise that go into the chain of events that eventuate in a concert that big. Right. Um, is, is a lot of work. Uh, and people take it for granted, you know? So I think that having the ability to look at say an end product years in the future and work backwards into a chain of events that can get us there is something that I learned very early on. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Cause I, I would to be able to have a, a systematic view of a product, like of a, of a singular moment, yeah, you know, um, we're in the middle of producing an event now and oh, what's the event? Uh, it's called Gov City. It's going to be taking place at South by Southwest. Awesome. And so we're bringing together a bunch of federal employees with non-traditional innovators of all sorts. Yeah. But, um, you know, a lot of it is like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, I mean, we, and we've all been down this road before, yeah. but it's just kind of like, we as, should think as, of this and we should right as yeah, small yeah. of a of an of a moment as it is there's a lot that goes yeah. into it so um i mean i was just down at advertising week in mexico city and you know things are done a little differently uh in the latam marketplace yeah, yeah. uh a slower in mexico city you know and these guys put on a great production um but i could tell there's you know definitely a difference of production um speed there as opposed to say new york city Oh, oh. <laughs> absolutely. You know. I worked in Jamaica for a month and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I've never heard soon come uh, <laughs> like, as many times in my life. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's not soon come. It has, uh, it's been three hours. Yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> so, I want to yesterday. Exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, that, that, all this stuff is, is great. Um, I guess when I think about you also mm -hmm. as a leader, like what's, what's your superpower? You know, what's the one thing that you do bring to the table from that grid or that 30,000 foot, you know, yeah. space or, you know, your attitude, cool jacket. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't really care what people think that much. I mean, I, uh, you know, I think the thing you that. You don't say. <laughs> seemed a little uptight to me. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> it's funny. The, um, I think the, I'm just not afraid. I'm just pretty much fearless. Uh, you know, if somebody says to me, 
hey, you can't do it. I'm not the guy that's going to go, I'll prove you wrong. That's the wrong approach. Uh, I prefer to wonder why they're saying that uh, right. to find a solution to their, to their no. Um, but there's, you know, in this kind of industry, you just have to be fearless. You just can't worry about, you know, I, that's why I have a general counsel to worry about right. uh, uh, those <laughs> other issues. Uh, you know, um, but you know, the cannabis is a weird space too. You know, it's yeah. got, you got black market. I mean, our mission as a company is to lead cannabis from the black market to the supermarket. And, um, but you have to deal with the black market yeah. to get into the supermarket today. Uh, and eventually that'll move over. But, um, so, you know what, you're kind of living in these parallel universes yeah. at, at all times. I've all, like, that's one of the things that's always kind of perplexed me is like, as the legalization dominoes fall, there's gonna there's an other side that's losing money, resources, mm -hmm. um, opportunity, yeah. and I don't know how much you can or is, you have experienced it, but do those worlds collide in a way that's challenging, um, or, or where you have to negotiate some <laughs> some things? Definitely challenging. More education, you know. Um, there's two parts to answer that question. There's 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 the black market survivors who have been activists and given people like me the opportunity to be in business. And so one part you have to respect that. The other part you have to try to help them understand that legal is better than illegal. Right. Um, and sometimes you have to give up on that because they do things their way, right? Um, and the other side of it, it too is that companies that are in the cannabis business now um, who aren't well-funded, I mean, there's, uh, there's between in North America, uh, there's nearly 400 million people that live in a post-prohibition economy. Wow. And there's nearly 100,000 cannabis companies. So that's 100,000 hopes and dreams of aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, people that they hire, right? Yeah. And everything else. And so it's a people economy that it's becoming. And I think so there's going to be a lot of people that will go out of business, which means there'll be a lot of distressed assets. And the question then is going to be who's going to pick up those people and those assets? Is it going to be the Procter and Gamble's of the world, uh, uh, the Constellation brands of the yeah. world, or is it going to be the public companies in the cannabis space out of Canada with a lot of stock and cash to throw around? Or, you know, is it private equity looking to roll up distressed and emerging brands into one portfolio? I mean, the, all these things are unknown today. Right. No, it's, it's, a, it's a new Wild West. Yeah. Um, along, along those brand lines, have you experienced any collaborators as like a Pepsi knocking your door and said, hey, we want, we want <laughs> yeah. to um, yeah, yeah. And, that, and how do, how do you navigate that, those conversations? Uh, you know, I hired um, this guy, Craig Binkley, uh, who I met at an investor presentation, funnily enough. Um, I was pitching in New York in an event uh, a year and a half ago now. And this guy comes up to me and says, you know, you build brands, but my friend, he builds branded businesses. And I'm like, sounds like a badass. I'd like to meet your friend. What does he do? And he, <laughs> he says uh, he used to run. Uh, the Diet Coke and Minute Maid business globally. And then he was the CMO at Coca-Cola Mexico. And he's been a consultant for ConAgra and Johnson & Johnson. I'm like, this is my guy. So we got to know each other um, and, and found a great understanding uh, of the future. And uh, he joined the company uh, a few months ago. And mm. So he heads up our uh, consumer product brands group. Um, and so, you know, you got to have someone like that. Absolutely. Because uh, yeah. he, he, you know, like I said to him, I said, I, I don't want to build products for the future unless two things can happen. Consumers will buy them and 
will have live share because they'll bring them into their lives. And number two, large companies will want to buy them because they can easily fit into their systems. Right. Because if you build products with manufacturing processes and all these things that are hyper unique, it just means a large company has to buy the hyper unique capabilities to keep producing your product. Absolutely. So we want to make it easy. That's great. Uh, and um, as this expands globally, mm -hmm. right, you talk about North America, but then you're in Mexico, like you've got there's, uh, and it's coming online, I guess, in, in a lot of places. How are you tracking your vision or your goals mm -hmm. alongside like that rollout? Man, I wish I had time to do it. It's, um, <laughs> we're not that smart. Uh, I think, uh, that's the next guy you need to meet at an investor <laughs> yeah, presentation. Exactly. Hopefully there's no more investor presentations for, for a while. Uh, I think, um, you know, uh, the LATAM market will do $10 billion this year in 2019. There's 11 countries that have uh, a legal or decriminalized program. Uh, Europe is increasing patient activity 40% month over month, and it's a $116 billion euro opportunity in nine years from now. So I think um, I'm interested in both of those yeah. regions. I'm also interested in the, in the APAC region in Australia Pacific. Um, it's just, it's just incredible, man. It's just, you know, every week someone sends me something and says, hey, do you know that this country's now, I mean, I, I, this morning I read that St. Kitts and Nevis in the Caribbean, yeah, yeah. Yep. they're going to put together a program, which are a tiny island, yeah, beautiful, right? But it's like, okay, everyone's hopping in. So um, how are we tracking that? I mean, you know, we are a North American focused organization today in terms of boots on the ground. Right. Um, our investors are too. Um, I, I really like the LATAM opportunity. Yeah. I think Colombia is going to be the largest exporter of, uh, of crude oil, refined uh, oil as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and as an ingredient, you're, as, if you're a company looking to infuse your products with cannabis as an ingredient or CBD or hemp, in, or hemp extracts, uh, you want as much biomass or volume of finished product as you can get. And yeah. Colombia will be, will be exporting that. Yeah, that's uh, your, your. I guess <laughs> I was gonna. Say, I was about to say your day to day must be crazy, but I am curious. Like, how yeah. do you manage all this stuff? I know you have a team, but yeah, like, sure. what is like you said? Every day, a new article or thing may yeah. come up, or an opportunity, or somebody's knocking on the door. Like, yeah, well, how, what's your what's your personal filter on a day to day basis? <laughs> well, um, shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I live and breathe this. I mean, I you know, a lot of people over the years have always said and they put books out like you know work smarter not harder and and that may be true for some lucky people um i subscribe to the work ethic of you outwork your competitors um you know if you're doing 120 hour work week some people will say you're insane but i love it yeah uh you know and i i think for me it's like as long as that 120 hours is structured so i've got time to work on alternative projects. I've got time to do my core business. Yeah. And other and I mean I advise different companies. I'm on the board of a few different companies. So, you know, as long as as long as I fit it all in and it's productive, yeah. Then it's exciting to me. But what's it's you, definitely hard. What's your favorite non work thing? Tennis. Oh. In right. a heartbeat. You did and not strike me as a as a tennis person. I don't to a lot of people, they're like, wait, this guy is more <laughs> like a rugby player. Exactly. But uh no, but I, I'm just a massive tennis fan. I, I played uh, very competitively uh, when I was younger, and um, I played every week. And yeah, in a sport in the farm. All right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I grew up on the grass. 
So uh, you've traveled, you've seen a lot, you've done a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show is called Innovation Crush. Hope they told you that when you when you walked in the door. Yes. Um, I'm curious as to what's fascinating you. Like, what's your personal innovation crush right now? Um. Hmm. Well, I, I own a bunch of patents uh, in the technology space. Mm. Um, I got very heavily into the virtual goods business uh, some years ago. 35 million gifts. <laughs> yeah. I see. Yeah. 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 Virtual goods, virtual gifts. Not yeah. gifts. No, gifts. Yeah. Gifts. gifts. We had the first uh, uh, gift app on, on Facebook and um, uh, sold out a year, I think it was a year and a half, year and a half later. It was uh, it's millions and millions of those really annoying gifts that people uh, love to hate. <laughs> uh, on Facebook, and we did a lot of deals. Did you sell the data too? Yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think for me, um, the patent thing is a real pain in the ass. So mm. I, I'm always inventing ideas, and um, a pretty uh, big pile of uh, potentials in my home office. And I, um, you know, some patents take you know three to seven years, Crazy. and you know it just takes too long. So for me, I, I want to. I'm trying to figure out is there a, faster, easier ways to protect your work and then license or sell them. So that's, I know it's a strange answer, but um, that kind of fascinates no, me. No, like the, well, it sounds like you're fascinated by the, just outside of the, your innovation crush, but like the idea of solving a problem. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, like, well, I think there's always a way to do something easier uh, or better, right? right. Um, I think, and, but it's really hard to protect the easier or better way. And it's really hard, it's even harder to protect it when it's protected. Yeah, it's like just because you own patents that maybe Facebook or Microsoft are infringing on, doesn't mean that you're going to succeed in getting money out of them uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, you look at the fashion industry; it's yeah. almost impossible to yeah. to protect anything. It is because it's... it is, and it's funny, man, because you know, Chris, it's like we're going from this like uh, creation intellectual property movement where the creator and the created thing is is the asset. Right. to this create it now don't tell anybody get the money go to market and your speed to market time frame is actually the greatest asset to create value yeah um and and you know. in in what capacity right like you know going to market with 10 customers versus like how do we get a million out the gate totally like, right scale like that's right? Yeah. Yeah. scale fast yeah. and yeah and that's also hard very hard to, and expensive i mean cost per acquisition for audiences just goes up the bigger you get because uh, your channels dry up you got to pay a little more um you know so and if, like cannabis for example facebook we can't buy any ads on facebook or google or anywhere like that um some people get away with them then they get shut down but the terms of service won't allow you to promote any you know uh, federally illegal substances or was it is it strategic on your part to even have the content play you know? oh yeah so like hey, here's how to roll a joint brought to you by yeah. these guys who make joints <laughs> yeah no 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 totally it was very right. it was it was definitely part of the overall model mm-hmm. uh to uh to do that so um and we we don't sell advertising on our digital properties um we built out a, a over-the-top video network of 17 platform partners too right so this you know you find ways. It's almost like, hey, we can't do this shit, so we have to create it ourselves. Okay, let's go build it ourselves. Um, that's what we did. The Rockefeller model. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, so one one last thing on that, um, as far as like your file cabinet full of ideas, because I, I don't think I'm. I, I've this is a very personal question, but yeah. 
Um, I progressed to that stage. I have a ton of ideas, awesome. but like my wife hears them in the middle of the night. I'm like, well, shouldn't somebody open a store that sells? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I go back, go to sleep. Yeah. Don't even write it down. Um, but I do have, you know, I do have a few things where when the opportunity comes up, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I was, I've been thinking about that here or something. And I may like even organize partners or a yep. subtle plan around it. But, you know, how do you go from idea to fruition with yep. this file cabinet full of Thing. Well, I used to always be a solo printer. I would own, I would want to own everything all the time, and I'm not giving anything away. And I found that to be a really stupid um, approach. I think that you know, you share the risk, you share the reward. You're not always going to be right, but if you have enough rights while you're sharing the, the risk and reward, you're going to do okay. Um, so I think two things: if you're patenting things or you want to create patents, find a lawyer who's a great patent attorney and give him 50% of your business, start a new co and say, you're now partners. You're the inventor and he's the guy that's going to file the applications. Mm. Um, because then you, you know, otherwise it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Every, Game. Yeah. <laughs> Game alert. You know? Um, um, so that's one way, but it's like, you know, I've got a couple of founders and at prohibited and without them, we wouldn't be where we are. Yeah. Um, we all had to pick a lane and, and, Who's you know, your favorite co-founder? Ah, uh, no, 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 no. But I, I am curious, yeah. like who, who, like just kind of walk us through a couple of them. Just, I'm curious as like the profiles or archetypes that you. It's very, very different. You know, one uh, Keith Huffman is, uh, you know, he ran the digital business at, at Sony BMG. He's a more of a quant guy. You know, uh, more of an operator. Mm-hmm. Um, very good with kind of corporate biz dev stuff. Yeah. Um, and understands, you know, managing big P and Ls, and then. Uh, Josh Otten, my other co-founder, uh, is from the content creator space. He's a hyper kind of creative uh, mindset, mm-hmm. right? So he's uh, he's more than welcome to deal with the talent. Um, <laughs> and and he brings a lot to the table, too. I think that, you know, everybody, you know, we kind of can bleed over here and there, you know, yeah. but I understand what they do, and, and, and that's helpful. Yeah, that's great. Uh, last but not least, complete this phrase for me. Innovation to me is, Innovation to me is progress. That's a, that's a new one. Progress in what way? Progress for yourself, progress for your business, progress for people. Not a Barack Obama poster. <laughs> um, so where where can people find you, find more about Prohibited or all your other musings? Uh, you can go to uh, Prohibited Novels, P-R-O-H-B-T-D, global.com. Um, prohibited.com is the consumer-facing site as well uh it's more like a youth culture uh site uh and i'm on linkedin at, i think it's drake ss nice i think uh drake ss um, um this maybe you can help me with this one mm-hmm. at some point in time but i have a 13 year old and a six year old like now oh, if i want to go yeah, well thank yeah, you yeah but tough. if i want to go to the hollywood bowl to see a show now uh-huh. then it's legal here it's like i'm wafted as a family yeah by weed smoke and i'm like i don't need my they don't need to experience that now yeah so i'm wondering if at some point it'll become like cigarettes where you're like you have to be within a certain distance of yeah, a building I, or it's definitely a debate that's happening around the country um people are getting permits for consumption lounges like here in hollywood and other places um i definitely think it's an issue because yeah. as a former tobacco smoker as well um shit man i used to remember when i lived in new york city i'd be it'd be the dead of winter and you'd be looking yeah. for a restaurant well that didn't allow smoking. You know, this guy pulls up, there's an anecdotal thing, this guy pulls up in a limo 
outside the restaurant in Manhattan and he starts charging people ten dollars to go in his limo while it's while it's snowing and smoke cigarettes. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is insane. I'm in this limo smoking a cigarette that's gonna kill me. But, but, but going back to your, to yeah, your yeah, that's, quick, but that's, that's a good solution, right? right? Like in, in some way, yeah. right, but he was containing a problem, right? right. Um, so that society didn't have to bear uh, uh, the issue. And I think that cannabis, um, you know, look, it's, there's many ways to medicate. Yes, that's true. It's just that a lot of people are, uh, we're in this era where smoking it um, has come out of the kind of the, the bedrooms, if you were, yeah. the clubs now are into the open. And I think we'll start to see more and more innovation around productizing the experience. Right. That won't actually, that'll be smokeless. Yeah. Um, so I think that'll happen. But, and you know, kids should not be exposed. Well, that's to, what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. It was also almost like the a Bluetooth headset. Like, like uh, there was a period of time where when right. the Bluetooth headsets came yeah, out, yeah. everybody wore one because it was just like a status yeah. thing. It was like, now you can smoke. And you're like, I'm going to just smoke. I'm right. public. Watch this. And yeah, then yeah. it'll kind of dissipate. Wouldn't it be weird if people were still wearing Bluetooth like constantly? Yeah, I have one underneath my headset. So wow. So I just kind of weird. I figured you might judge me for it. Uh, no everyone, <laughs> this has been another installment of Innovation yeah. Crush recorded right here at WeWork. WeWork. I mean, we.co slash crush. Um, and we will talk to you next time.